Welcome to Roll with Adventure, a Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition podcast that transports you through the magic of imagination from our world to the far-off world of Ebris, a land full of heroes and villains, the evil and the divine, monsters and miracles, and of course, magic. We are delighted to bring this adventure from our imagination to your ears. If you like what you hear, please subscribe for future episodes and follow us on social media. If you want to learn more about us in this podcast, please visit us at RollWithAdventure.com. And now, let's listen as our heroes roll with adventure. Hello and welcome to Roll With Adventure. This session's campaign is of salt and blood. My name is Cass, and I am the dungeon master for this ragtag band of heroes. Today, our journey into this tale of adventure, intrigue, secrets, and magic across the world of Ibris continues. This session begins around midday on the 6th of Altor in the year 1069 PR. In the Master Bath, where Maya and Kalina may soon brush with death. Now, before we dive right in, let's meet our band of heroes. To decide the order of introduction, let's roll player initiative, not character. And remember here, we roll with adventure. So, what intelligent delight or mind-numbing tale have you to share with us tonight? Today I learn both... Wow. I'm going to take a minus two for not being able to speak. Yeah, minus two off the bat. <laughs> Today I learned the word frangible, which means fragile, brittle. And I was like, what is an example of something frangible? And the dictionary was like, the skull of an infant. And I was like, well, that's not like really fully formed. It's like, what? Anyway, a good example of frangible is frangible bullets. Which are designed to not ricochet and to reduce overpenetration. And so that's an example of frangible that I found more helpful than the infant skull example. And the other thing that I learned about frangible bullets is that they are most often non toxic. <laughs> I'm gonna take a plus one because I feel like expanding your vocabulary is always useful. Well, speaking of expanding one's vocabulary, I will admit I didn't learn this this week, but the white rhino, most people think that they are named as such because of their color, but it is actually a mistranslation. When the imperialists from Europe arrived in Africa, the word for wide, I believe in Swahili, is white, and they thought that they were saying they were white rhinos, but they were just wide. So I would like a plus one. So my interesting fact today, uh, while browsing through my YouTube uh, during lunch, there was a new theory proposed by a couple of astronomers about the universe and how it's probably, instead of being an always expanding or eventually going to collapse, um, known as the heat depth and uh, the great crunch, respectively, that these astronomers think that the universe is actually cyclical. Uh, so they're theorizing that the universe... Ha basically uh, will essentially expand to a point and then collapse in itself to a point and then re-expand kind of like in the nature of a big bang. And the way they theorize that or why they theorize that <clears throat> is uh, the Hubble telescope obviously uh, said that everything 
is expanding further away from us. But another telescope that I forget the name of it now is actually the, the speed of which things are expanding is actually slowing down. So like one of them is saying it's going like 1.2 times the speed of light. The other one's saying it's expanding at 1.1 times the speed of light. So if their theory is correct, what, what they're theorizing is that essentially a supermassive black hole somewhere in this universe will grow so large it will just eat the entire universe and collapse in on itself and then uh, re-explode into another universe. Uh, and the theory proposes that all the stuff we have done may have happened multiple times already. And with that terrifying thought, <laughs> I'll take a minus one. When you said that it like expands and then it's going to collapse down and then it'll expand again. I was like, Oh my God, the universe is breathing. Possibly. Shut up. I can't handle this. <laughs> I'm breaking over here. Face is so scary. I know. And I just find it terrifyingly fascinating. That's why I keep watching these type of videos. The moon. <laughs> it's the moon people's moon. Yes. The moon people. Well, I have a much less terrifying fact. I learned some fun facts about North American opossum. They have 13 nipples, which is like a lot and also an odd number. I don't know why. Anyway, they also have thumbs, but they have them on their back feet to help them climb trees instead of being on their front feet. So I'm probably just going to take a plus zero. I really like possums, but the fact's not really that useful, so... Can I ask, are there possums and opossums? There certainly are. Okay, good. Possums live in Australia and they are cuter than North American opossums. Mm. Australian possums are more closely related to sugar gliders and that's kind of what they look like. Mm. Thank you for teaching me that. You're so welcome. I'm still trying to still trying to wrap my head around the nipple thing. Okay. I have many great facts about the best state in the United States of America. That is New Hampshire. New Hampshire is known as the Granite State. The state motto is live free or die. But the state slogan is you're going to love it here. The state flower is the purple lilac. The state bird is the purple finch. The state fish is the brook trout. The state tree is the white birch. And of course, the state food is pumpkin, which totally makes sense. That's all I got. Plus one. The combination of live free or die and you're going to love it here sounds ominous to me. Like if I don't love it there, I might be killed. No, they just, they, they love to live free. It's, they really do mean it. There's no seatbelt law. You don't have to have auto insurance. There's no sales tax. There's no income tax. How do they pay for anything? You pay property taxes. Oh. So. So renters are getting a good deal? Live free or die. Wow. New Hampshire, you're going to love it here or die. Hashtag better than, better than not free. <laughs> That's true. Better than not free. Let's see what you roll. Nine. I rolled a three. Carlos, I also rolled a three, and this is the second time that has happened. I have a two plus one. I got a 15. I rolled a one, and I want this to not mean anything about what's going to happen to Maya. So that's a, it's a two. 
Hi everybody, I'm Emmy. I'm playing Sylvie Antaeus. She's a half-elf monk, and I think up until today she would have really liked a hot bath, but not so much anymore, probably. Good evening, everyone. I'm Cory, and I play Kalina Flores, who is a human fighter who was once part of the Talran army. I'm Josh Disco, and I'm playing Alice, the radiant Genasi druid, who is a walking, talking... Magic Mirror. Hello, everyone. Carlos here, and I play Marcus Evander, the rogue, and probably would get stuck in a tub. Maybe. We'll never know. Hi, my name's Allie, and I'm playing Maya Volta, a human cleric of Cain, who is not gonna die in a bathtub. Just putting that out there to the universe, even though I rolled a net one at the very start here. Not gonna die in a bathtub. Also, I feel like at the end of this house thing, we're all going to have a lot of weird hang-ups when we go back to the colony. Like, Marcus will be afraid of blankets, and maybe Sylvie will be afraid of trunks because of the skeleton in that one, and Maya's going to be afraid of bathtubs. <laughs> we're just going to be so weird. Oh my god, is that a tub? Get it away from me. Kalina's going to hate... Oh my god, Maya's going to smell terrible. <laughs> She's just never going to take a bath again. This is how the shower got invented. Maya invents the shower in Ibris. A land of cleanliness and irrigation. Now that everyone has introduced themselves, let's get this adventure rolling. And remember here, we roll with adventure. Before I describe the scene today, here's a quick mechanics overview that's important. Maya, you are drowning. Under normal D&D 5e rules, characters that know they are going to either drown or suffocate and have the chance are able to breathe before they enter an environment or situation in which they cannot breathe. In these situations, they're able to last for one minute plus con modifier minutes to a minimum of 30 seconds before they begin suffocating. When a character begins to suffocate, their time is instead cut down to constitution modifier rounds before they drop to zero hit points, fall unconscious, and begin making death-saving throws the following turn. Due to the magical nature of how Maya has been forced into this bathtub, she immediately begins to suffocate, or more correctly in this case, drown. As such, the party has three rounds before Maya will fall unconscious and drop to zero hit points. The following round, she will begin taking death saving throws. As such, she has at minimum five rounds before she will shuffle off this mortal coil if she critically fails her death saving throws. Now, to set the scene the Master Bath. On the second floor of Caligos Manor, the Master Bath is located along the western edge of the house just north of the master bedroom. It is a small room, some 10 feet wide by 20 feet long, without a single window to let in any source of natural light or the damp and cold breeze of the exterior. To make up for the lack of light, the room was likely once lined with many candles to augment the oil lamps affixed to the walls, and the large fireplace in the northeastern corner of the room, which would have if lit, shone the beautiful, calming lavender 
color that the walls are painted. One enters this room from the door in its eastern wall and is presented with a prominent view of a large copper tub that looks big enough to seat two in addition to a tripod and a pot for heating water in the fireplace, a small table, and a cabinet that, now opened in the previous session, is shown to be filled with boxes and jars of aromatics intended to be used likely while bathing. A figure stands by the tub, his clothes waterlogged and drenched. Long brown hair hangs limply, dripping wet over pale skin that is turned blue. He locks eyes with you, Kalina, as you sit slumped against the wall in terror next to the cold, dark fireplace. His eyes mad voids of agony. His features are only slightly illuminated, etching him more as a silhouette of a drowned horror by the faint golden-orange glow that barely penetrates the thick layer of opaque white ice that now covers the top of the bathtub. Unbeknownst to you, Kalina, beneath it, Maya lays, eyes wide open, her mouth open and contorted in a wordless, soundless cry. At this time, Marcus and Sylvie are 80 feet from the door to the master bath, while Alice is a mere 60 feet. Everyone, please roll initiative. <gasps> here we go, here we go. Everyone except Maya. Okay, but I just want you to know, because this is incredibly horrible, that I rolled another nat one. Well, that's excellent, because your initiative is set at one for this. Well, I just want you to know it's actually zero, because my dexterity modifier is minus one, so I'm so, so doomed! This is such an awful start! And I want you all to know that I already asked Cass, and I can't cast Spare the Dying on myself. So, I don't know what to do. Oh my gosh. I must say, I don't think you have a lot of room to move where you're at. Kalina got a 13. Sylvie got an 18. I mean, I also got an 18, but mine's an 18 plus 1, so I have a 19. Oh, well, I got a 14 plus 4, so I got an actual 18. Oh, right. You're very dexterous. I forgot. Quite. I rolled a solid 5. 1 plus 4. Let's go, baby. The horror in the bathtub is 22. Did you say it's in the bathtub? Like it's in there with her? The horror from the bathtub. Okay, good, because I was about to, like, really fry him. Maya doesn't drown. She just becomes incinerated. So, before we jump right into combat, I'd like to check in with Maya for a moment. I just want you to know that when you started out by saying, like, earlier on in the session, by saying... Maya's drowning, I had to really resist the urge to be like, no, she's not. No. No, she's not. At the end of the last session, there was a brief moment. A brief moment where you realized that you were suddenly in water. That you were breathing in, and that the water was entering your lungs before you let out a scream. But as you let out that scream, it dying, it sound failing. You suddenly felt as if you awoke from a dream. Maya, no. Your name here is Hebron. 
You stand looking out over a parcel of wooded land, thinking to yourself that it will take forever to clear it. Your time in the mines put more muscle on you than the years on the street in Port Neartide ever did. You shudder at the thought of the mines, pleased that when you have finished clearing this land, you will finally have put Vesican prison behind you. You carefully spend the day mapping out the area, noting where the largest rocks are, larger and smaller trees, stumps, and the drainage of the soil. It looks like it will be good soil. It is about mid-afternoon when you think about heading back to town to bunk down, get a nice meal, and maybe have an ale. Tomorrow, you will buy supplies and check in with a few of your old cellmates to see if they can help you. But, as you turn to head back towards the road, a man is standing there. You didn't hear him at all. You note that he stands, a half-hand span shorter than you, with an oval face and softly shaped jaw, a straight nose, large ears, smooth cheeks, and narrow lips. His two brown eyes gaze out at you, harshly from beneath bushy eyebrows. You realize immediately that he is much better dressed than anyone you have seen, aside from perhaps the prison mages and the warden. Perhaps he is from the manor on the hill. Noting that you have seen him, he speaks in a slightly accented voice, one that you equate to the street plays you remember, mimicking the ancients. Master Alecki bids me welcome you, and to deliver this invitation, he bids you to dine with him in Caligos Manor this evening, to foster goodwill between neighbors. Kalina. The creature. This thing. This horror that stands before you. This drowned horror. It is going to let out this guttural snarl. But one that is almost caught up with bubbling. As if water was still trying to escape its lungs. As it will lunge towards you. I will give you the chance to say one thing, to shout out one thing that you want. If you're going to make a sound, if you're going to scream before its attack will land. But it does go first in initiative. She will scream, guys, before it manages to jump on top of her. You're not wearing armor, so your AC is quite low, right? Yeah. So it is going to rake you with one of its claws, and then it is going to try to bite you. The first claw attack is a 24, so I will assume that that will hit. Oh yeah. Can you please make me a constitution saving throw? Oh, I don't like where this is going already. Oh, great. Uh, 12. You feel as if your body is fighting against something that has entered it, almost as if it's trying to lock and go rigid. But it doesn't paralyze you, it just be slows you down a bit. You will take six slashing damage. 
from this claw, and then it will try as it slashes into you, and then it will try and come down on you to try and just maul you. And it rolled a two, so its bonus isn't high enough that it will get your armor. I'm sure that it is higher. Yeah. And with that, it is right on top of you. You're still sitting down, slumped against this wall from where you had curled back. You can feel its claws where it has cut you. It just burns as poison or whatever it is is racing through you. Alice, out in the hallway, can you please give me a perception check? And you will have advantage on this check because the house is pretty quiet. Is this for real? Oh no, okay. I thought it was a 2 and a 3. It's a 2 and a 13. Okay. So that will be a 14. Okay. 14. You hear a strangled cry come from the direction that Kalina and Maya went not that long ago. It sort of sounds like Kalina possibly saying, Guys! With my bonus action, I would like to use my minor illusion to make the sound of my voice echo from... 30 feet closer to the direction of Sylvie and Marcus, I would like it to say, there's trouble, come quickly. And then I would like to use my full movement, which is 30 feet. Am I able to see through the door at that point? Your dark vision is 60 feet, right? Correct. And in color. You can see, it looks like a person, but like there's, they're dripping water from the angle you're seeing. You can almost actually see that it looks like there's something on its neck and maybe, like, bulging under its back a bit that is sort of just, like, slashing and slavering in the direction, like, just past the door. So you can't see where Kalina is because of how she is slumped against the wall and how the door is set in the room, but you can see the creature. Alice will lift his hand and open his palm. As I'm going to hit this bitch ass with a guiding bolt, my one guiding bolt a day, 17 plus 6. That will hit. Bad guiding bolt. That's 8 radiant damage. Of course, will also illuminate the target. If I remember correct, how you described in the past was like tiny motes of light sort of swirl across inside your body and then pull themselves along your arm and then discharge out? Yeah, any of his radiant damage is like a build-up, the way that light refracts and intensifies through a magnifying glass, because he's made out of glass, or appears to be. So as that bolt discharges and goes flashing through the door, Kalina, a blast of light will illuminate the room in front of you, and now this creature is glowing, and you can actually see now that... This looks like a drowned, waterlogged person, but there are these almost leech-like veins that are bulging and sort of writhing slightly just under the skin along its arms. Oh, that's totally not scary at all. Sylvie, it is your turn. You and Marcus have just left the guest bedroom that you were looking into. There is a door to your right in the northeastern corner, and there is a door to the northwest that you have not gone through up here. But suddenly, Alice's voice sounds right next to you. There's trouble. Come quickly. What do you do? Can she see Alice down the hallway? When you hear the voice, you probably look up and you see Alice starting to run, and you see him running down the hallway. 
since all this technically happens in the same six seconds. You said we're, like, 80 feet away from the bathroom? Yes, you are 80 feet away, currently. So I think what Sylvie's gonna do is use her full 40 feet of movement to move halfway down the hallway, and then her action to dash, and then get all the way to the bathroom. As there is a flash of light, as you see this bolt that is maybe just speeding only slightly ahead of you, it smashes into the creature and illuminates it, and now you can clearly see this monstrosity that I have described. Are you going to say anything? Are you able to use your bonus action for anything that you want to attempt? I think she would probably gasp seeing this glowing creature standing on top of Kalina. I don't think I have any bonus actions I can do since I didn't attack as my action. I guess I can dodge, but meh. With that, Kalina, it is your turn. This thing has you almost pinned to a wall, but it has just been blasted with presumably Alice's magic, and Sylvie has just come into the room. First thing she's going to do, she's going to try and force her way to stand up. She'll roll and just be like, get off! And she'll like pull her dagger, like stab it right in the chest. I'll say that even though you technically weren't prone, we can treat it as prone because you were sort of forced into that spot. So it takes half of your movement to stand up, but 5e doesn't incur opportunity attacks for standing up from prone. So make that strike. Alright, so it's a 17 plus 4, which makes it 21. Oh, that will most assuredly hit. Let me see if I get a crit. Nope, that one was lower. Alright, and since it was the daggers, that'll be a 5 piercing damage. Anything you're going to do with your bonus action? Anything additional that you want to do? As she's stabbing, like, trying to push the thing off, she looks around, and I'm assuming I don't see Maya at all. You cannot see Maya. Maya has vanished. She'll just mutter out, just like, Where's Maya? As she's fighting against this creature. With that... Marcus, it is your turn. Alice's voice boomed right next to you. As you saw Alice turn down the hallway, Kalina and Maya had gone, and Sylvie took off at a breakneck speed. You are currently 80 feet from the entrance to the bathroom. Marcus would just dash as soon as he saw people running, and as soon as he heard the booming voice and there's trouble, he would dash towards where everyone else is going. So he would take his full 30 feet of movement, but then he would use his action to dash to take another 30 feet. Are you going to use your action to dash or your bonus action? Because you have cunning action, remember? Ah, uh, don't play rogues that much. Obviously. This is why I remind you guys what you can do. I will use my bonus action to dash as well. So I will do, I will move and then bonus action dash. You are 20 feet from the door. Sylvie made it the whole way because her normal movement speed is 40. So if you wanted to, you could triple dash to be inside that room. Or I think Sylvie might be now actually standing sort of in the door. So she might be blocking your view of the creature. I will go ahead and dash my way to behind Sylvie. You have charged down this hallway at breakneck speeds. First your full movement, a bonus action cutting dash and a full action dash for a total of 90 feet of movement in one turn. And you are now on the other side of Sylvie, inside the master bath. And you can see this creature, and you see Kalina drive a dagger into its arm and pull it back. And as it pulls back, you see it sort of discharge this glow that had surrounded it. 
And with that, Maya, or should I say, Hebram. The manor's entrance looms before you, but where in the modern day it currently is dark and disused, the one you see is colorful and well-maintained. The same well-dressed man, one who had introduced himself as the manor's butler, welcomes you. Welcome to Caligos Manor. Master Alecki will dine with you shortly. The evening progresses through a generous dinner, though the master of the house, Alecki, seems quite strange, and his daughter, Prena, and wife, Mariana, seem to barely touch their food at all. You had intended to inquire if any of the servants would be interested in making a little extra coin while helping you clear your land. But dinner had ended as a storm blew in. Though Alecki and his family excused themselves, the butler said that a guest room had already been set for you in the case of a sudden squall or other unfortunate incident. You weren't sure what he meant by other unfortunate incident, but the butler quickly offered that a bath had been drawn for you as well. And who would turn down a bath? You hadn't had a good one in a fancy tub. Well, ever. The horror is going to turn. Seeing that there are more people here, you see it sort of shake a bit. And as it does, the tendrils writhing underneath its skin begin to almost quake and burst from it. And now it has two pseudopod-like tentacles coming off of it, writhing and slashing through the air. It is going to strike at Kalina again because she is the closest to it. Kalina does a 16 hit you. It does. Okay. Can you make me a constitution saving throw? Another one? Let's see if I do good on this one. Ooh, that's an eight. This creature is going to slash into you with its claws, and its claws are going to deal in total nine slashing damage to you, and then your body is going to lock. Whatever you were about to say, whatever you were about to do, dies in your throat as your muscles spasm and lock as if in rigor mortis-like clutches. And the creature seeing the fear that suddenly flashes in your eyes is going to spin on Sylvie and is going to make two quick jabs with its tentacles. And as they come striking towards you, Sylvie, you're going to see that the end of these tentacles, it has a mouth on the end of it. But each mouth looks like the creature's mouth. Three lines with one bisecting it. Sylvie, does a 13 or a 10 hit you? Nope, those both miss, and she will glare daggers at this creature as it's pointing its weird mouth tentacles at her. Alice, it is your turn. The door in front of you has become rather filled with people, and it's a bit hard to see. Alice is, like, small, though, so can he just, like, slide between their legs into the room? Yeah, do you want to move up to them? Because you were still 30 feet back. That's why I was saying they were really blocking your vision. 
Alice will try and get through their legs into the room. You can make it so that you are in the doorway or just on the other side of the doorway, and you can see this creature. It is just jabbed at Sylvie, but she is luckily dodged out of the way. Kalina is standing stock still, frozen with her dagger in the air. I would like to cast Mirror Image. So Alice, he knows he needs to get into the room at this point. So it's almost like when you're in a movie theater and you're trying to get to a seat that's in the middle with all of your friends, but you know, you were the one who went and got all the drinks. So he kind of is like, oh, you know, excuse me, come through, sorry. And then he ends up in the room and he gets serious. And seeing the state of things, he, while most of his spells involve some type of like casting, he kind of just waves his hand. And as he does, three different illusionary versions of himself come from his body and spin. So you can't tell which one is the real one. Sylvie, it's your turn. Alice has just shimmied his way into the room and now there are four of him. Oh, okay. Well, Sylvie's gonna make her way into the room so that she's not blocking the door and are any of the Alice's that are now standing in the room like right next to the creature? I would imagine that they're surrounding him like one on each side. Okay well she's gonna get as close as she can and if it's distracted enough probably go for its back and try and hit it with her quarterstaff. I don't know if any of those would count as it being flanked because the idea is that it's distracted by the other enemies and there are now enemies we could say that you reposition slightly as you're moving so that you're actually in the room so that you're on one side and alice is on the other side of the creature i'm fine with giving you advantage from flanking great we love that all right so i'm gonna attempt to attack it with my quarterstaff with advantage a 16 or oh that's a natural 20 does a 26 hit Oh, most assuredly a 26 hits. Okay, just making sure. We roll the dice twice. Is that what happens? Yes, roll the dice twice. Nine damage with the quarterstaff. Bludgeoning damage? Yes. As her bonus action, she's going to unarmed strike the creature. And that's still with advantage, right? Yes, it is. Wow, amazing. 17 to hit. That will hit. So then another six damage with her fist. And then as she does that, she'll probably look around and go, where's Maya? Kalina, it is your turn. You can repeat the saving throw at the end of your turn. Otherwise, you are paralyzed for the next minute. Oh boy. She just locks up in that last position she was in. And... Uh, that's a 17. As if that poison, as it raced through you, as if there was almost... You almost feel this sort of like warm light suffuse you briefly, but it's also exceedingly cold. Sort of as you almost feel like the touch of the grave just briefly passes through you and almost seems to pull and rip the poison from you. And your muscles relax. You can't take any actions this turn, but next turn you are no longer paralyzed. So everyone just here, just go. <sighs> Marcus, it is your turn. No one is standing in front of you. You have a clean line of sight to the creature, and it is about 10 feet from you. I'm going to use my bonus action to s steady my aim, which basically means as a bonus action, I can give myself advantage of my next attack roll on the current turn. 
You can use this bonus action only if you haven't moved during this tone, and after you use the bonus action, your speed is zero until the end of your current turn. And then I'm going to take a shot at this creature. Just give a war cry as I do it. Okay. Is a 23. That will hit. Okay. And then I'm going to sneak attack as well. There are many people near it. 15 points of piercing damage. The arrow will fly and it will strike into this creature, probably into this creature's back as it sort of lashes back and forth between the targets around it. Maya, no. Hebron. You sit in the bathtub, the hot water soothing your muscles. You've never had as luxurious a bath as this. Candles are scattered about the room, around the bath, providing a nice level of illumination. But unease lingers in the air, a tension at the back of your mind. Perhaps it is the storm, perhaps it is simply that this is just unfamiliar. You think you hear the sound of the door, and you attempt to rise, but realize you can't. Your muscles refuse to budge. They refuse to move at all. Someone is coming closer. A sound. You can't tell if it is the sound of feet on tile. Or a slithering sound. You call out. Who is there? The candles around the room, one by one, begin to dim. Till they only issue light. In a peculiar manner. Perhaps, if you could stand, you would see that they illuminated light in a symbol. You muster enough strength to move your head a fraction and see that no one has opened the door. The water of the tub rises as if someone or something has entered it. It splashes slightly over the sides of the tub onto the tiled floor, dousing a few of the candles. Fear grips you. You struggle to turn your head towards the other end of the tub. The creature has not noticed that Kalina has gotten back. It is going to first try and rake Sylvie with claws, and then it's going to shoot a couple tendrils at Alice. Ooh, Sylvie! Uh, does a 24 hit you? Yeah, it does. You will take 11 slashing damage from these claws as they rake out across you. Can you please give me a constitution saving throw? Yes, I can do that. Oh, wow, that was really good. I got a natural 20, so it's a 21, I think. The paralytic agent in this creature's claws will not work its way into you. And then these two pseudopod-like tentacles ending in horrific maws covered in the symbol of the creature are going to snake out towards Alice. Okay, so how many attacks are you making against me? Only two. So the way that this works is that I need to roll a d20 per attack. If I get above a six, you hit one of my illusions instead. 
So I got an 18 and a 7. With an 18, that will redirect to one of your duplicates. The 7 might not, though, if the first attack does destroy a duplicate, because then you need to roll an 8 or higher. My first attack from this tentacle is an 8. Uh, and with your duplicate's armor class of 12, dex mod plus 10, it won't be hit by the attack deflected towards it. This does mean that you still have three duplicates, and therefore that seven is still going to allow you to redirect the second tentacle attack. And this tentacle got a 14. So you will lose one duplicate this round, but Alice is safe. What will your illusion look like as it breaks apart? It cracks like glass and then poofs into dust. Awesome. This creature, its mouth sort of starts to gape open, and where its tongue should be, you can see another one of these. Sylvie, as it looks at you. Alice, it is now your turn. Do I see Maya? Give me a perception check. It looked like a nine because I was holding it sideways and that circle with a line under it, but it is in fact an 18 on this other tire because the eight is shaped strangely. So that will be a 19. Okay. You do not see Maya in this room, but you do see that there is a slight orangish glow coming from the bathtub, and you can see that the bathtub is completely frozen over. There is a thick layer of opaque whitish ice, and this glow, that that orangey golden glow is coming up, sort of suffusing through it, and the exterior of the bathtub is cold and frozen. You can see that sort of thin layer of frost that is formed on it. What would you expect Alice to be able to infer from this light? With a 19, let's say that you're close enough that you can see that there's possibly a humanoid silhouette inside it. And then beyond that, maybe Maya dropped her fork. Maybe Maya did drop her fork, and this humanoid has it. Quick, better get it back for her. She's definitely gonna miss it when she comes back. I feel as though I hear Maya's voice in my head calling to me. I will use my movement to make my way to the tub. Okay, you will be at the top of the tub when your turn begins next. Can I say the way that mirror image works is that these illusionary me's follow me and do as I do. So there are now three Alice's looking at the tub. I can just imagine, like, Alice sort of leans over, the other two lean over, looking down, sort of thoughtful hand on your chin. There's, like, a reflection, so there's... Fantastic. Sylvie, it's your turn. Seeing Alice kind of turn towards the tub, she'd just be like, Alice? And then she'd focus back on the creature in front of her. Since she was flanking with Alice, she'd probably, like, reposition herself to wherever Kalina is on the other side. You know, anything to keep advantage. Because, you know, why would we stand still unless this creature hit us with its weird tentacle mouths? And then she's gonna hit it with her quarterstaff again. What's the plan? 14 plus 6, so a 20, but not a natural 20. A dirty 20 will hit. Great. And it will do six damage with the quarterstaff. And then once again, she'll take her fist with unarmed strike and try to hit it with her fist. 16 plus six, so 21, 22. That will hit. That's another five damage with her fist. That's her turn. Kalina, Sylvie is just 
sort of shadow boxing around this creature, dancing around it, repositioning herself, and has just struck it with her quarterstaff and then put a clear fist right into its side. And you heard the sound of its bones crunching and breaking and this almost squishy sound as if like she was pushing water out of a sack. It is your turn. All right, so Kleena will drop the... I keep calling it a dagger, but it's technically a hunting knife, but she'll drop the knife and, like, pull her, pull the longsword out. First, kind of get, like, a little angry, and I'm going to use my second one as my bonus action before I attack. Will let me regain 1d10 hit points, plus 3, 7, and then I'm going to grab it by two hands and slash down on the thing. And Silly's on the other side, so I get advantage with this. Yes, you do. 20, dirty. That will hit That'll be 12 slashing damage. How does this thing look after that? It looks pretty hurt. But you also, this thing was dead when you first started fighting it. Good point. (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and spend my action surge to attack this thing again. As I come down with the first strike, come across with the second. Will an 11 hit? An 11 sadly will not hit. Good action surge. And then she'll kind of just stay there. Marcus, it is your turn. Kalina has dropped her hunting knife. It has clattered to the floor. She has drawn her longsword, deftly cut the creature with one strike, and the second strike as she tried to bring it back across it, the creature is just sort of just barely moved out of the way. As it moves out of the way, what do you do? Instinctively, I'm going to go ahead and take a deep breath, use the bonus action for steady aim, and I am going to... Once again, shoot my shot. Not bone wham shot. 19 to hit. That will hit. I have a question for you. Where are you aiming for on the creature? I would suspect the most exposed part on the creature. You're currently looking at the side of the creature, so it's it's facing Sylvie because Kalina hasn't moved that much. It would be the creature's left side, so like the left side of its head, its left arm, its left tentacle, left leg, its back. Marcus would go for the headshot. 12 points of piercing damage. As this arrow flies through the air, it is going to strike the top of the creature's head and actually take a portion of the skull just off it. And as it does, Sylvie, that thing that was slowly coming out of its mouth that wasn't its tongue, sort of just rears up and lashes upwards, ripping its jaw. So that now its jaw is barely clamped around another one of these lamprey mouths that is lashing around above its head, where the head used to be. And with that, we move to the third round of suffocating. Blood. So much blood. Whatever that damned creature is, you struggle to fight against it. Its sinuous body, its tendrils, ugh, lashing against you. Where you hold it back, your skin burns as tiny mouths gnaw into your flesh. If only you could scream. You never had the chance. Just like you'd never have the chance to show the world you could really make something with your land. Darkness and pain overtake you as the door begins to open with a creak. And you hear Alecki's voice whisper. Devour. Devour and let our pact remain. One more year. I demand one more year with them. Do not take them away from me again. 
darkness. The horror is going to lash out. It's going to lash out in almost all directions. The only person it's not going to lash out towards is Alice, because he's standing farther away. But it will lash out with one of its tendrils towards Marcus. It's going to try and strike it, Sylvie, with its claws again. And it's going to lash out with another tendril towards... With two of its tendrils towards Kalina, as it now has use of its head tendril. That's a sight. So for Sylvie, this is a 16. Does that hit? That does not hit. You avoid the paralytic claws. It is now going to use its extended reach head tendril to strike out towards Marcus. Marcus, your armor is higher than a 12, right? Yes, it's a 15. It will strike towards you and you probably have an oh shit moment. Oh, oh, oh. And then... The two that are sort of coming off that were used to be attached to its arms that have slowly been peeling off further and further so that they're now just lashing out from its back are going to lash towards Kalina. An 8 doesn't hit you. And a 14? The 14 will hit. It will deal a total of 4 damage. Uh, question about the, these tentacles. Are they classified as melee attacks? Yes, melee with reach. Would you like to use a superiority die to try and parry it? Yes, I would love to. Got a seven plus four. So she kind of like knock it away with the long sword. Yes. So as this mouth comes slavering towards you, just saliva dripping from it, you can see whatever this tendril thing is. It is terrifying. It's like some kind of worm, perhaps. As it lashes towards you, you sort of just deflect it with your blade off to one side and it lashes off. Alice, it is your turn. There are six of you, including the reflections, and including mirror image. Yeah, Alice counts them, remembering which ones he's made and which ones he hasn't, and oh right, the ice. And do I see Maya under the ice? So the ice is pretty thick, and it is hard to see what is, who is under there. You can definitely see a figure under there, so if you wanted to do something, you could target them. They are holding the fork that is glowing, and they are rigid. Here's the thing. Alice might be thinking about the skeleton in the box from the basement and how the spirit was tied to that body. And when the body was destroyed, the spirit was destroyed. So I think he's going to try and target a produce flame at the body and I guess therefore the ice. So the ice has its own set of HP and armor. So if you go to target the body like that, you totally roll your attack, or however you want to do it, and we will see if it breaks through. That's a 14 plus 6, so dirty 20 to hit the ice. That will most assuredly hit the ice. That's 6 fire damage. Okay, so ice generally has vulnerability to fire, so that will be 12 fire damage to it. You will burn a nice section melting it, and you've melted enough that you can see the features enough that you know that it's Maya down under that ice but you have not broken it. Are you going to say anything? Do anything else? Bonus action? There's like this thing about bonus actions where people say that like dropping or picking up a weapon is a bonus action. I'm holding the copper pot, correct? Yes, you've been holding that copper pot the entire time. The same way that you would have to bring a weapon down on something, could he bring the copper pot down onto this hole kind of that he's cut out? Because the intent is to damage the ice, 
I'm going to say that we need to use an attack for that. Can I place it there, though? Oh, you can totally place it there. Okay. You're going to smash down on it next time? I have an idea. I don't know if it's... I I don't think it's what you're thinking, but I have an idea. Well, we will see what that idea is next turn. Sylvie, it is your turn. Wow, I'm really over these weird mouths. I don't even... And she's going to whack it again with her quarterstaff. All right, I got 19 plus 6, so, I don't know, 20-something. That hits. 9 damage with the quarterstaff. And then, once again, with her fist, just, like, right in the face, just, like, dodging this stupid, weird tentacle eel mouth. Are you striking the tentacle? Or are you going to strike the body? No, no, no. The face around the tentacle. It's just the jaw left, and it's sort of already been detached from the neck? It's just a tentacle on a neck? Yes. Okay, just kidding. She's going to hit the body then. And that's a 13 plus 6, so 19? Yes, that most definitely hits for both of the attacks. Great. And then five more damage with her fist. Just like cringing at this horrific creature that's standing in front of her. As you make these two strikes, the first with your quarterstaff and the second with your punch, you're going to hear multiple bones break. And this body starts to fall apart and sort of slaws off into a pile. But you can see this sort of sack that seems to be breathing in and inflating itself and then decreasing that has these writhing tentacles coming off of it comes out of this pool of putrescent body parts that have immediately begun to start to decay at a rapid pace. Luckily, you don't have to deal with this paralytic claws anymore. Yay! Kalina! It's your turn. This creature has seemed to fall apart in front of you, but these tentacle maws, whatever they're attached to, is still living and beating and breathing in there. If it's alive at all. Okay. Lena will be a little disturbed by that thing. And you said there's like a mass that seems like it's breathing in and out? Yes. It was a mass that previously was contained inside its stomach and back. It'll be like, uh, uh, and then she will, (laughs) she'll slash at that thing. With her uh, long sword with both hands. Kind of like coming diagonally down on it. Woo! My first nat 20. An attack roll crit is always a success. Awesome. I got one finally. So that'll be 14 slashing damage. You will cut into this and you will see it begin to spurt. Icker. This thing is still beating and it's still slashing around. And you can almost see that some of these tendrils are now going to probably come closer to striking you. You have caused it the most concern. And she'll just say, Just die already! Again! Marcus, you've seen the humanoid horror fall apart, and now you can see whatever that thing that's been puppeting this body is there on the ground. By the Triadrian, it is unsettling. Um, I'm gonna hurl. Okay, how far away is it from me? It is still only ten feet from you. I'm just gonna run up to it. I'm going to get in the fray. Why not? And I'm going to thrust my rapier at it. Does a 21 strike this gross thing? Most assuredly. And remember, Sylvie and Kalina are within five feet of it. Oh, sweet googly moogly. That is crazy cray. 14 piercing damage. I got two sixes and a two. I mean, I've gotten two sixes both times I've attacked. So keeping these dice combinations anyway. I thought a rapier was a D8. It's definitely a D8 for a rapier. Reroll it. If you get below the two, just you can leave it as the two. This is why 
maybe using D&D Beyond is a good example. I mean, I got 13 damage. And just making sure, because you said you rolled two sixes, and now I'm assuming you rolled a three. Do you have a bonus to your damage roll that you're missing? I do. I haven't even been adding the bonus damage to my roll. (laughs) I am so sorry. I guess I'm just not here, apparently, today. I feel I feel too bad because I feel like I'm doing too much damage. This is why... I mean, that's what rogues are for. You cannot do too much damage. Come save me from this horrible tub. How many rounds have there been? I'm going to die. We're on four right now. Oh, I missed 16 points of damage. I hate everything. I'm I'm sorry, everybody. I've had a long day of moving piles of stone. I'm so sorry. My fault. We are all here for the fun. But... No matter what, this attack will spell the end of this monstrosity, whatever this is. So as you stab your rapier into it, it is going to quiver. All of its tendrils are going to smack against the tile and begin to thrash as you pierce through the protective layer, through whatever sack ooze is inside it, and into perhaps some kind of vital organ, and it will just begin to deflate. And as it does, you can see that it begins to almost immediately turn gray from its previous pinkish-purpley color and begins to start to flake into the air. Maya. Unfortunately, this is round four. Kind of wind round. You are unconscious, and you drop to zero hit points. At the end of what we're about to do, I will have you make a death-saving throw. Okay. You sit beneath a tree. A gentle touch on your shoulder brings you to your senses. A young woman with her unruly brown hair and startlingly gray eyes. Eyes almost like pools of liquid cloud. Her hair is drawn back into a tight queue. She leans over you. She is dressed in the old-fashioned clothing of a maid. To be honest, you think you've seen the memory of her specter in the parlor. You really shouldn't be sleeping here. It is dangerous enough that you're in the house, but here as well, you need to go back before he notices you. What's so dangerous about sleeping here? As you sort of begin to look around, you realize that you are sitting beneath a tree. A tree that you have seen in a painting. You appear to be sleeping in the conservatory. But the house around you does not seem to be weathered. The glass of the conservatory does not appear to be broken. And the gallery hallway in front of you does not appear dark or dusty. You need to go back. Do I get the feeling that I am Maya this time? Yes. And you can remember everything that happened to you. Every dream you had, every vision. And you remember everything that you've gone through in the house. Tell me how. Tell me how to go back and how to set everything right. I hoped that you would know. I honestly don't. 
I spend my days scurrying about just trying to stay away from him. How are you still here? We're all still here. We can't leave. We can't go to the book. I understand. If I can get back to where I need to be, my friends and I are trying. We're trying to help you. We just need a little more time. I've been as helpful as I can. I will keep trying to be helpful to you. Thank you. But please, work quickly. Yes. And if you see him, if you see my Brunello, please set him free. If it's in our power, we will set you all free. And she'll help you stand up. Thank you. You sneak through the house. You can see many ghosts, but they stand like people. There are many in the ballroom. There is one sitting in the dining room, eating soup, before he begins to clutch at his throat and gasp. You see many scattered about. You make it to the foyer and up the stairs. And as you travel deeper into this house, deeper into the domain of spirits, please roll me your death saving throw. Not in that one. Not great either. It's a seven. Alice, what do you do? So, have you ever seen in Pirates of the Caribbean when they go under the water and they're trying to, like, escape by going under the water and the way that they do it? Are you talking about the boat scene where they're holding the boat? Yeah, when they flip the boat. I am going to try to use Produce Flame to kind of erupt around the ice that touches the rim of the pot that I'm holding, like a circle around it, and push the copper pot through full of air and bring it to Maya's face. Do your best. So is this a spell attack roll with the Produce Flame? Yeah, let's do this a spell attack roll with Produce Flame. I'm imagining that because of how Alice is able to control the light as it moves through his body, he sort of has a better understanding of how to send that same kind of energy through things. All right. Right, everyone blow on the dice. Come on. We gotta get it. We gotta get it. 11 plus my spell modifier, which is... Is it a 6? Is that my spell modifier? I think it's a plus 6 or plus 7, so yeah, this will beat the AC of yes, the ice. Yes, it is a plus 6. Okay. So now I roll a d8. I got a 6 again. So that'll be 12. <laughs> this pot will thunk down through the ice. You have cut a hole through it, and it will bring air down towards Maya's face. So, if she stabilizes herself, or if someone else were to stabilize her, she would be able to, she would now have oxygen and be able to breathe. Sylvie, it is your turn. This thing has collapsed in front of you. It is splashing across the floor. It is still twitching, but Marcus has deftly skewered it straight through. What are you going to do? Oh, that's so gross. I think she would probably literally physically back away from it now that it seems to be dead or more or less dead. 
can she turn around and ask Alice what he's doing? Has Alice said that, like, oh, Maya's in the tub? As you turn around, you can see Alice has, like, put his hands around this copper pot. Alice, I'm assuming that you dropped all the stuff that you had in the pot on, like, the tile floor before you turned it over. It was like a swoop, if that makes sense. So, like, you know when, like, you swoop something down and it falls out in one, like, part of the swoop angle? So it might be scattered across the other part of the ice? I think some of it could have could have done that. I think some of it also could have missed the edge of the tub. I'm going to roll a d20. I got an 18. The majority, if not all of it, is outside of the tub. Okay, okay. Great. So, Sylvie, what you can see is Alice has put this copper pot on the tub, and he has basically, you can see almost like the jets of fire, or not even that, but like the light that he's using is refracting around it and has heated the edge of it as he's sort of pushing down through the ice, melting into it. And there is a sound of it breaking through the ice and thumping down. Alice, what are you doing? Can I answer? So long as it's a quick answer. Is a bonus action a quick answer? What do you want to do for your bonus action? Are you wanting to use your minor illusion? Yeah, I want to make the signs that usually hang over a tavern thump into place, hanging off of chains like above them with the words Maya is here with like an arrow pointing down into the tub. I love the way this looks. Yes, I will allow it. It has to thump with like that chain swinging sound. It was just thwumped into place. Previously, it had been put up for the night so that it was like one of those old vacancy signs where you'd pop it down to say that it was vacant versus having it up to not. So there's this chain sound as it goes thump. And there's signs that say, Maya is here with a big arrow pointing down at the top. Can I say where this came from, though? Because I was like, I need a big Vegas sign that in neon that, like, says Maya is here with, like, you know, where it, like, lights, lights, lights pointing down. And I was like, wait, no, they don't have... <laughs> Maya is... Maya, Maya's in the tub? Can Sylvie, can Sylvie stick her hand through the hole in the ice? Is that possible? Is it big enough? So... The hole is currently filled by a, how do I put this, copper pot? As the hole was created by a heated copper pot going through, it is perfectly copper pot sized. If you were to remove said copper pot, then you could, or you could punch the ice yourself. It's your choice. Okay, I think Sylvie's gonna see that the pot's in her way, be kind of confused and take her quarterstaff and like sort of try and chip at the ice. Would that work? Yeah, go right ahead. Make an attack. Great! 16 plus 6, so 21? That will hit. 10 damage to the ice? So you will bring your quarterstaff down probably near the other end, which probably is near where Maya's feet are, based off how Alice has put the pot down, and you will see cracks go spiraling across the ice. You have done a decent amount of damage to this ice. Great, and she's going to use her bonus action to try and punch the ice and go, Oh, this is probably going to hurt. Well, that's a 9 plus 6, so a 15. So that will get through the ice's hardness. Alright, and then that's 3 plus 4, so 7 more damage to the ice. You have fractured this ice a whole bunch, but you have not fully broken it. 
Guys, I think Maya's stuck in the tub. And that's her turn. Kalina, it is your turn. Okay, so Kalina will go, Maya's in the tub, and then she'll walk over and... I saw that Sylvie, like, smack the hell out of it. Yep. All right, she'll grab the longsword with both hands and rise up and just try and, like, hit one of the cracks that are there and try and, like, make it bigger. Well, that's a nine. We're going to pretend that rather than bringing the pommel of the sword down, you went to make just a slash across it, and you did cut the ice, but you just cut across it. You didn't actually cut down into it, really. She'll go, shit, got the angle wrong, and then she'll get a little reposition a little closer, then that'll be my turn. Marcus, your rapier is still impaled in this thing that still is twitching, but is more like death gasp twitching. Can Marcus twist the rapier and then pull it out with that? (laughs) So gross. Of course you can. So you'll twist the rapier and you see the thing sort of even convulse again and then it just stops and fully lays there. And you can see that it is already flaking apart and a part of it sort of flakes apart around where the rapier was in it and this like icker just starts draining out across the floor. Oh, that is that is so gross. I hate this. I, this Marcus know Marcus aware of all that's been happening recently or Sylvie has said that Maya is in the tub there is the equivalent of a neon sign that has flashed into being above the tub and even Kalina has gone and tried to slash at the ice everybody stand back and I'm going to smack it with this mace really on a roll tonight I rolled a natural one with a plus two so that's three Three to hit. So what we're going to say is you bring the mace down and you're not used to such a heavy weapon. And so you bring a mace down and you strike at the tub, not the ice that much. Oh, maybe I shouldn't use this mace. Maybe someone else should. And with that, we will descend into the tub, into Maya's soul and her subconscious. Rather than having you roll your death saving throw at the end of this round, will you please roll it now? Oh, I was hoping you'd suggest. Hi, everyone. It was nice playing with you. Oh, I rolled a natural one. Oh God, seriously? I wish I was. I wish I was a liar. Maya. As you climb the stairs hand in hand with the maid whose eyes are like pools of silvery cloud, you feel something snap beneath your feet. The step beneath you gives way, and you fall into darkness. Above you, she cries. Within the tub, your body gives one last small convulsion. Fading. The four of you do not know what has occurred inside the bathtub or on the in-between. Therefore, you are rushing to get through this ice. To get to Maya. Alice, what do you do? Has the ice broken at this point? You have melted through the ice. Your pot has thunked down. Do I have the pot around Maya's face? Yes, you do. 
It is just blocking that hole that you have made. Don't worry, everyone. I have oxygen around her. We got to get her out of here, though. Sylvie and Kalina and Marcus have all been striking at the ice, and they have... Basically, it is covered in cracks. I will send a ripple of flame out towards their cracks as well from my hand. Your fire will roll out from your hand across the top of the ice. I don't need an attack roll, but please roll damage. That is an 8. It is an 8, so I guess that'll double to a 16. Your fire rolls across the top of the ice, melting it over Maya's head and rolling out along the rest, weakening it and thinning it. Sylvie, it's your turn. Alright, I think she would just take her quarterstaff and continue trying to get as big a hole in the ice as she can. So, that's my plan. Um, and that's a 14 plus 6, so 20? That will hit. Gosh, I switched dice and these dice are rolling really well. That's a 6 plus 4, so... 10. 10 damage with the quarterstaff to the ice. With that, you will break through the rest of the ice. The cracks will go spiraling across this whole place, across all of the ice, across this tub, and it will break off into chunks. It now looks like a frigid northern sea where the ice breaks against the rocks. Okay, and I'm assuming I can't use a bonus action to try and like pull Maya out of the tub. I would let you use a bonus action to reach in to help someone else pull her out. Okay, I would like to do that then. Kalina. Kalina will toss a longsword to the side and then like grab her by, like put her hands in there. Have both her hands in there and try and like pick her up from like the chest up. Try and get her head above the water. You will bring her up. The pot will sort of tumble and fall off to one side and it will bloop with a large amount of air that comes up, and you bring her face up to the water. You have her. She is just above the tub, partly out of the water, her face and the top of her. Queen will be like, someone grab her legs. Sylvie can be holding on to one of her legs. We can say that. Marcus, are you going to jump in there and help? Yeah, totally. Frantically. Trying to get Maya out as quick as possible. Kalina, Sylvie, and Marcus working in unison, you will be able to pull Maya and her waterlogged clothes from the tub. We will now drop out of initiative order. She is cold to the touch. She does not appear to be breathing, and her fork dims, its light sputtering like a candle. Out of character questions, the concept of CPR exists in this world? Oh, most assuredly. Yes, it does. Okay, so Kalina's seen that would, like, try and start that, to try and, like, thinking that maybe she, like, guzzled water. Would you like to use a medicine check? Uh, yes. I can give that a shot. A four. You are too flustered. Any of the training you've had on this just basically goes out the window. You blank, not remembering it. Sylvie would, as soon as Maya's out of the water and is not okay, she would reach over and use a hand of healing. There is no part of her brain that thinks Maya is dead at this point, so she would just try and heal her. I don't know if you can actually heal somebody that's dead, but in theory, Maya would get seven hit points back. Directed by your key, you draw the natural healing energies that exist in your body up to the palm of your hands 
discharging them into Maya. Her form spasms as the energies rush throughout her, and water spurts from her mouth involuntarily. But still, she lies unmoving and cold. Can Marcus attempt to do CPR? Of course. Please give me a medicine check. Seventeen. You think you have cleared the majority of the water from her lungs and her airways. You continue beating on her chest, breathing, trying to bring her back, begging for her to come back. Come on. Just gotta keep on trying. Does uh, anyone have loose clothing or something that we can put over her to maybe try to keep her warm? Alice, while this is occurring, what's going on? What are you doing? Alice is staring wide-eyed as he is very used to knowing what to do. And he's racking his brain for a spell that can help him. Coming up with nothing. Does anyone have any of those berries that I gave you? Here, I have mine. I didn't ever eat the second one. Put it in her mouth. Put it in her mouth. Okay, so we would do that. Follow Alice's instructions. Alice, I guess, would make sure that she's swallowed it. Get her teeth to mash it. Try to get her to swallow it. As the seconds turn to minutes, you realize that Maya Valletta is dead. It's gonna, it's gonna be okay. I'm, I just, just gotta keep on doing, keep on doing. Could someone please get some like, blanket or something? If we don't just sit here and stop looking at each other, we just gotta keep doing, doing something, and just keep, keep doing something. Does anyone know magic or something? Marcus, she's, she's gone. No, she's not gone. She is. No, she's not. I can save her if we just do something. I can't lose anyone else, so I would really appreciate if we do something here. Anybody? Lena just gets up and goes behind Marcus and puts an arm on his shoulder but doesn't speak. So we would almost tackle Marcus with a hug. Full body, wrapped around, sobbing, for sure. DM, Marcus is crying. I don't know if there's any God. God is hearing me. Anything, just anything out there. I'll give anything, I'll do anything. Just don't let her die. Alice hears the word anything, and his ears flinch. He's been catatonic up to this point eyes wide racking through hundreds of years of information in his head trying to think of anything and I want him to get up and walk from the room and I want him to try to pull the cat off of his neck 
I will deal with both Marcus and Alice. I will deal with you both separately. Marcus, yours is an internal struggle that is about to begin, whereas Alice, yours is physical. As physical is right and immediate in the world, I'll start with Alice, but I'll be coming to you soon, Marcus. Alice, you intend to pull the cat serpent from you, correct? In a way where, like, I'm bringing him, like, to my face uh, in anger. Or them, them, I don't know what gender they're. It will sort of open its eyes a little bit and yawn. Very unfortunate. Very. Keep your forked tongue behind your teeth. Bring her here. You and I know she's dead. Bring her here. Her magic has made you, and you are connected to her, and I know you can bring her here. Now do it. Bring thine own mistress that I bid thee upon this place. I demand it. You demand it. You who so unfortunately are heir to what she created. Well, if I am heir, then there must be something I can get out of it. I will give her anything, as many have before, and what I have is worth more than what anyone has given her. Now bring her. You already belong to her. But as I said, she is dead. And in her passing, so was I passed to you as her heir. Just like her, you have the same enemies. But unlike her, you do not have her talent or her power as of yet. Gather it, seek it, grow it. She would not have passed me to you did she not think that that was possible. Use your very wits. Can you not see that her soul is already drawn back? That something else holds it and binds it here? Do you not think, do you not remember, that the whisper of a ghost's last breath has the power to turn back death? Save them all, and you might save her as well. While Alice puts the bolt of light in his hand away, and slowly releases the grip around the snake cat thing. It's that moment that the adrenaline kind of leaves him and he goes dizzy and slumps back, sitting on the ground. And then his eye catches the handkerchief sitting in his pocket, just peeking out slightly the cat serpent's tongue will flicker out tasting the air and then it will sort of curl down and curl into your lap just sitting there as if in a way to say time out take a moment 
and will close its eyes, likely until you are ready. Marcus. Deep inside of you, you hear something. You hear this, you hear the sound of rushing waves, echoing, as if echoing up through a cave, through a cavern. And then you hear a voice. I, I can bring her back to you. Yeah, just, who are you? I don't, I don't even care, just do it. Do it, I'll I'll give you whatever you want. Just do it. Marcus, you feel as if you are plunged into cold, dark waters. A void of black, storm-tossed seas. Fear, it wells up inside of you as your fight-or-flight response is driven over the edge, freezing you in place. Something dark, something old, something horrible brushes against you and reaches out towards you towards your very soul and as it touches it you feel a jolt a jolt as if the thing were struck by a bolt of lightning and you hear another voice a female voice this one is spoken for You have no power here. Come to me, Marcus. Come to me. Come to me on the shores of Atsakath. Do not fear. She is not gone. But what you courted is what killed her. Destroy it. Free everything from its grip. Beat it back. It is a child of the deep. It is Seko's kin. Destroy that which gestates, that which grows within the womb of the island. And perhaps... Perhaps she will come back to you. Do that. Come to me. And I will answer everything. I will. You have a a name? Something I call you by? My name is but a whisper beyond Atsakan's borders. My power locked and bound. I do what I can to protect you. Seek me in Atsakan, and I will answer your questions. Seek me in Atsakan. Find my blade. Break the cycle. And the presence will fade, leaving you drained. Marcus will just... Uh, wipe away tears and just 
look at everyone else and say, I know it's, it's hard right now. I could have done more. But something tells me we need to go kill this son of a bitch. Whatever's in this place. If we do that, we might have a chance of bringing my back. Is anybody with me? Yeah, let's kill him. Clean of the huts. Yeah, we can kill him. The cat sort of opens an eye and looks up at you, Alice, and says, You may be best served by courting the ghosts first. They certainly will have the power to help you. You stand at the edge of the volcanic crater of Vesicum, far from Caligos Manor. A man stands nearby, a man you instantly recognize, the butler. He turns to you. You realize it isn't him. His eyes are not the same color, and there is a kindness to his face the other lacks. The figure looks out over the crater, lava churning below as smoke billows up into the air. I have shielded you from my brother for the time being, but I grow weaker every day, and his master grows fat on despair, anger, fear, and every negative emotion this place seems to have almost been engineered to create. A half-smile almost comes to his face. It's ironic. We were close once. But I guess all twins were close once. Out in the smoke, two figures slowly form. Two young boys wrestling at the base of a tall black tower and a cottage nearby. While silhouettes of mother and father look lovingly towards them, garbed in clothes some two hundred years or so out of fashion. As they wrestle, the boys grow into young men, before they divide, both walking different paths. One walks through the streets of a busy town, courting, laughing, and learning, while the other delves into the darkness of sea caves, egged on by a whisper and promise. Again the smoke breaks, changing, showing a great cavern and the young man kneeling before a chasm in the shape of three lines, and a fourth bisecting it. That was the day I lost him. How different things may have been had he not heard the whisper of what lies beneath this aisle. But you, you stand at a crossroad. He turns to face you, and you note that the entire left side of his face has been burned away. You have a choice. I have the power to send you back, but you will not be as you were before. I can protect you for a time, but you must ensure that my brother is put to rest, that his monstrous master does not rise. Or, you can put faith in your companions that they will save you, that they will be able to reach you in time. The choice is a hard one, and you sadly do not have the luxury of time. If I kill back, I can help them? I cannot whisper your soul back into flesh, as it once inhabited, but I may be able to shield you 
shield your very soul from my brother's master, and from its foul appetite. You will be but a spirit, but you may still be able to help your friends. Of course, you could choose to put faith in them, but as I said, time is short. Perhaps you will find another way to get back to your body if this is done. But I do not know if you can. I want to help them. I believe in them, but I want to help them. Then so be it. But before you go, know that the mistress of the manor is your ally, as are the rats, Ariadne's kin. Seek the third floor. That is where the grace remains. Return it to this house. And then call forth Mariana once more. Do what she asks, and you will have weakened the master's hold upon this place. You will have weakened it enough that a blow can be struck. Destroy what grows beneath us. Or all will be consumed. And there is a flash as he holds his hand out towards you and you feel yourself rushing. You imagine you are standing there looking at the crater and as if you have suddenly been flicked and your body, your soul, whatever this is that is having this vision, goes hurtling across Merstwall. You see the forest, you see the prison, you see Walltown beneath you, you see the tannery and the hatchery, you see the river, you see the forest, and then you are flashed in through one of the windows on the eastern side of the house, hurtling towards the western side, until you suddenly are standing, floating, in the master bath. Floating above the tub is a moat of light. It is sort of a ghostly sphere of light that is ebbing and flowing, and you can't make anything out inside it, but it has a soft, warm, orangey golden glow and it has begun to slowly form as if small pieces of it are pulling and it seems almost as if those pieces are drawing up from Maya's body into this I think Maya would say something like by Cain Maya do you say by Cain this is where you reform you physically are only a ball of light at the moment. How much of the scene have I seen, or did I just appear now? You have probably just appeared now. Though, I will note, for if this ever becomes relevant, you can now see the cat, and anytime we come to interacting with ghosts, ask me what you can see, because you will likely see more than the other characters. Cool. And do I feel like I'm just a ball of light? You feel very discombobulated. I think the first thing that Maya's going to say is, we have to hurry. We have to get upstairs. Maya's voice sort of echoes in all of your minds. Maya? Kalina looks 
very frightened and looks around. I don't don't really know what happened, but I feel weird. You died. Oh. Yeah, that... Somehow, okay. I wondered... I think I've already served Kane's purpose. I wondered why... I was still alive for so long, with nothing left to do. So, this is okay. But I'm gonna help you. We have a lot to do. Hime's grace is upstairs somehow, and once we've restored her grace to the house, we have to speak with Mariana and do whatever she asks us to do so that we can weaken the horrible thing that has a hold here that feeds off the fear and the death and the negativity that centers around this house. Is anyone else a little shocked that Maya is a ghost we can all see? And you can hear the her voice too? Yeah, yeah. I thought it was a trick of the house. She looks at Sylvie. Marcus. It's not me. What can I do to prove to you that it's me? I don't have any doubt that it's you, Maya. And we all heard her. We have a lot to do. We should get moving. The ghosts will help us as much as they can, but they're limited in what they can do. But we don't have a lot of time. Does anybody even know where the stairs are to get up to the third floor? Funny that you should ask that. Because as a specter, you can see through things a lot better. Oh, good. I will send you, because you can see through floors, you can see through walls, I will give you map of the house. Okay, so Maya's gonna kind of... She's been stationary, floating above the bathtub, but now, as she says for a second time that we don't have a lot of time, she's going to... Um, kind of start to move a little bit, as if sort of feeling out how this new form works. Uh, and then she's gonna haltingly sort of move towards the doorway of the bathroom. And then she meant in her head is going to be like, I wonder how... Are you gonna move through the doorway or are you gonna go through a wall? Oh, just wait. So she's going for the doorway, like a normal person. And she's, I think actually she's gonna go through the doorway, she's gonna go into the hallway, and then she's going to come to the doorway that we haven't opened in the hallway. The one in the, I think it's the north wall. Correct. And she's going to say, come on, we have to hurry. And for a moment, she's going to wait for somebody to come open the door for her. Because, you know, she doesn't have hands. But then she's going to be like, wait, I wonder how this works exactly. And she's going to sort of very slowly, very gently, almost as if if she were a solid human, if she were just leaning up against the wall to see if she sort of falls through, pushes herself through. But, you know, if she is solid and can't pass through walls, then she doesn't just ram herself into the door. She'll fall through it. She's going to give almost like a little laugh of happiness because this is like kind of cool and 
now that she's already dead, she's not really as afraid as she was. So <laughs> she'll pop back through the doorway into the hall to see if her friends are following her. Are they? Sylvie would be following. <laughs> Marcus would do. This way. We can't just leave her body here. I've got it. Go. Just go. I'll be right behind you. Okay. Hurry. Right, let's go. And Kalina will retrieve her sword, sheath it, retrieve her hunting knife, sheath it, and then, like, pick up Maya, like, with both her hands and follow after everyone. I also want to fill up the copper pot, like a trick-or-treat again, <laughs> and make my way. You will all follow Maya out into the hall as she vanishes through this door, saying, asking you to follow, and you will push this door open, and we'll find out what's on the other side of this door next session. listening to Roll With Adventure, where we bring you this story from our imagination to your ears. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe for future episodes, rate us where you get your podcast, and visit us at www.rollwithadventure.com. If you'd like to contact us, you can write us at dm at rollwithadventure.com. Our intro and outro music is Brave by Arcane Anthems. Thanks for the components of this episode's soundscapes. Go to zapsplat.com, Purple Planet Music, and Arcane Anthems. Full credits are in the episode description. Oh, right. I have to roll for the spell attack. I forgot about that part. Um, okay. A 16 or... Oh, that's a natural 20! I want the air horn thing to go off. We should, like, get the air horn. Ah! Well, if I don't drop the dice on it, floor. One sec. <laughs> Bloopers! Roll dice on the floor. Alrighty.